You are listening to On The Biz. Meet the Changemaker, powered by The Growth Company. Hello, you are very welcome back to another episode of On The Biz. Uh, My name is Wayne Denner. I'm delighted to be here with my co-host, Martin Murta, and we are going to be talking all things kickstarting your business for 2023. Now, I know 2023 seems like a little bit away, but at this time of the year, if you're not a product business, you're probably starting to see inquiries starting to slow up a little bit. Uh, Maybe you're not getting the engagement on your social media activity that you once were. Uh, People are starting to get into the Christmas mode. I've even heard my first Christmas song on the radio. Now, believe it or not, that does impact those of us in the service-led sector in particular. So if you are an entrepreneur, you are a solopreneur, uh, you are a consultant, you are probably finding that inquiries are slowing down just a little bit. And what we thought it would be useful to do on this episode of On The Biz was have a conversation uh, and bounce some ideas around and some strategies in relation to what we can do uh, to increase visibility on the run-up to Christmas, which is a key time for a lot of people. You know, we're living in a very uncertain world. Uh, there's a lot of turbulence happening in different parts of the world and the economy and all of that type of stuff. And it is having an, Im- an impact on businesses, both small and large. But what can we do to start to prefer for 2023? So I want to introduce my co-host, Martin. Uh, how are you today? Yes, Wayne, very good. Thank you. Good to be here, as always. Thank you. Yeah, well, we're going to have a fantastic conversation uh, today, Martin. We're going to talk a little bit about what I was mentioning a couple of moments ago in relation to what are some of the things that we can do. But let's kick off with asking you that all-important question. Um, You know, you are in the consultancy side of business. Um, Typically, from your perspective, on the run-up to Christmas, do you see that inquiries do start to slow down just a little bit? Um, and maybe we're not as busy as we once were because people are starting to kick in and switch gear into that Christmas mode. It's an interesting time of year, isn't it? I think that any time when there's a period of kind of holidays or festivities or that kind of thing, people have all things on their mind. But I also think that it also presents opportunity as well. I think that if you think of the amount of office parties that you've got coming up, networking opportunities, Christmas dinners. I look at I look at all that stuff, not from the point necessarily of networking, while it's very important, it's good, but I also think of the, the visibility that that gives me and my brand. So I tend to look at those events and think, okay, I might get along to that because I know if I get along to that, I'll be seen by different people, A, from people that are in the room, but also I'm happily take out the iPhone and if I'm, see other people that I'd like to be associated to, I'm not afraid to say, hey, listen, let's get a photo. Let's get some visibility for your brand and my brand and then get it out on social. Then other people see that, people like that, people engage that. But what that does is that draws eyeballs to your social media, that draws that that visibility. And people tend, if they're looking at, it's just that inquisitive nature. If you draw people to your profile in particular, 
people can then say, oh, I'm really interested in what else that person does. And then they'll see your other offerings, that kind of thing. It's getting them there. Those events are a great way to actually attract visibility. So I think it's very important that you continue to put in the work. And I know there are people, there are people out there who don't really value networking events as such. They don't really see the, the point in it. Uh, they would probably rather uh, backpack around Thailand or whatever. But the reality is, how practical is that for everybody? It's not really practical. And very few people can turn that into, into a success, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, Marty. And you were talking a little bit about there about the importance of networking. And of course, on the run up to Christmas, um, we're already seeing a little bit of a slowdown, uh, people getting into that festive mood, as I've already mentioned. Um, and we're starting to see, which is fantastic, uh, the face-to-face events really coming back uh, full steam uh, and people being able to come together, people being able to network and people being able to talk a little bit about what their business Uh, what their organization does. Um, And as we've said many times, and I know you're a big believer of this yourself, uh, visibility creates opportunity and opportunity creates success. So the more visible you are, of course, the more opportunities you're going to get. So it is really important, I think, Martin, across social media platforms, in particular LinkedIn, that people remain visible. And and should they be ramping up content, Marty? Should they be posting more things? Should they be interacting a little bit more around these times yeah i think it's a combination of different things i think you still need to be out there if you've got an opportunity you still need to be out there networking meeting people connecting with people like what i'd say to people every day is that you could post to the cows come home it's not going to really make much of a difference you need to be engaged in people off the back of your posts you need to be looking at all people's posts and you need to be dropping them a message and say hey listen i read your post there it really resonated with me what inspired you to post that, that kind of thing. And they're likely to go, oh, thanks very much. It may be something that nobody else engaged with, but it resonated with you in particular. You liked it, that kind of thing. So it's about reaching out to people and saying, look, your post really inspired me. Interacting, you know, the kind of, the, the key is to be having conversations. The more conversations you're going to have, the more opportunities, the more you're going to be in a position to talk business. And I'm as guilty of this myself, and there's days that I go through like a content route where I don't post anything for whatever reason, I'm lazy or whatever, it just doesn't go out there. I see other people posting amazing content and I get the whole sort of uh, procrastination where I think, oh, I'm definitely not posting something. I couldn't I couldn't reach their standard, so why? what's the point, that kind of thing. And a lot of that stuff's totally irrelevant. You just need to be continuing to talk to people, to connect with people, to interact with people, drop people voicemails, drop people video messages within the LinkedIn app, go on to Twitter, send out a few tweets, like all the people's stuff, retweet all the people. It's being socially active more than anything and not necessarily thinking that you need to post content every day. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that many people struggle with, the ability to consistently keep pushing out content. And as you've said, many... No, I'm still here, Marty. That's something that, you know, you really resonated with me there a couple of moments ago that you just said uh, the importance of being visible, but also continuing to post content 
regularly. Uh, and I think you've said this before, it's all about feeding the machine. And social media platforms are a huge machine. So we need to be feeding them content frequently in order for our visibility to remain as optimum as it can possibly be. And are you seeing um, from the companies and organizations that you're working right now with, Marty, are you seeing they're scaling up that in a process in terms of pushing out content more frequently or are they keeping it consistent? And do you think consistency probably is the one of the most important things without ramping it up or ramping it down at certain times of the year? It's probably better to have a consistent flow of content going out there, would you agree? Yeah, I think I think consistency is like a lot of things. Consistency across content, consistency across having conversations with people, interacting with people, attending networks, talking about events, that kind of thing. Being being seen at events is very very important. That is the key, and I think the most successful people in business attend networks or network regularly or talk to people regularly and they're very good at putting themselves in front of their brand and getting their brand out there because that really will that really will give you that visibility particularly if you are a one-man party or you're a one-woman party or you're you're a consultant and you don't have the kind of the support of the of the or, or the comfort zone or the safety net of having a big, big company behind you where, I mean, for whatever reason, you still, I mean, a lot of people that have that comfort zone, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with having that. But the difference is when you're a consultant and you're out there on your own, you have to go out and you have to generate business for yourself. And the only way that you're going to generate that business is reminding people that you exist. It's not where you work at the company. I'm not saying you're not under X amount of pressure working for somebody else, but there's a high likelihood you're still getting your 40 grand a year or your 50 grand a year. Um, whereas when you're a consultant, it's a wee bit trickier. You have to go out and you have to fight for that. And you know what? The last few months I've been working on multiple projects and I've taken my eye off my own sort of my own sort of ball, but I'm getting back into it there because people are reaching out to me all the time. And it's it's serving your audience, and I think that's key. But I think also not to don't don't feel pressurized into posting every day if you're posting absolute jargon. I think that people can socially uh, people can burn themselves out on these social channels. I think consistency is key, but don't feel pressured onto onto putting um, your whole life story on there. I think it's about. It's about content that connects for your audience more than anything. And it doesn't need to be, have to be perfect. Yeah, that's really important in terms of having that connection with your target customer. And I suppose that boils back to really knowing and understanding who your customer is. Um, and I think that's really important. I think way too many people don't obsess enough about understanding who their customer is. And I think once you understand who that target customer is uh, and the type of content that appeals to them, it makes your job much easier as a marketeer, uh, as a content marketer, um, because you know the type of content that you need to create. And you know that when you push that content out, it's going to resonate with those particular customers because it's what they want to see and hear 
from you. It's the information that they want to receive from you. So it is really important that people understand who their target customer is. And I think this is one of the challenges with social media. In fact, this is one of the challenges that we have with marketing uh, in 2022. And we've had this challenge for the past couple of years because we've got so many different platforms that we can use and we can spread ourselves across all of these platforms. But it is really about taking a step back and understanding who the customer is and actually where the customer is hanging out or spending their time. And what's really interesting about that as well is, you know, a lot of people who consume my content, particularly from the online safety and the cybersecurity point of view, uh, are people who uh, don't actually engage with my content. They don't like it and they don't share it, but they actually see it. So they are passive consumers of my content. And people have stopped me, uh, people have reached out to me, uh, who I didn't even think you know, were following my particular account, or they'd maybe not seen a piece of content from me, and say, oh yeah, I, I read that blog post that you posted last week, or I watched that video, or I listened to that podcast, uh, and what you were covering was really interesting and really helpful. So that tells me that not everybody is going to be smashing that like button, hitting that share button. People are just going to passively consume your content. And that's really important. And I think a lot of people get frustrated. I don't think I know this because I used to get frustrated with this because I would be pushing out content uh, and maybe I wouldn't get the number of likes or shares or engagement that I thought I was going to get on a particular piece of content. And I would get a little bit deflated. Um, and I would get a little bit, you know, I put all this effort into this content and it didn't really resonate with people. Well, in fact, it absolutely did. And the reason why I know it resonated with people is because people gave me feedback. But not only that, I think what's really important is people actually reached out and made an inquiry. They sent an email in or they, you know, they sent a DM via social media app or they got in touch via Facebook Messenger right off the back of seeing that content. So it's really important for people to really understand who their target audience is and obsess about that and really make sure that you're producing that content for them um, so that if, if it's the content that they want, it's going to resonate with them. And as we've talked about many times before, Marty, you know, people might not buy from you today, tomorrow, next week. But you want to be in their mindset that whenever they do need your product or your service, whatever that may be, you're the first person they think of. Uh, and that's what I think about whenever I think of the work that you do, particularly on LinkedIn from a training perspective. You know, you're pushing out lots of great content over on LinkedIn about building relationships. You're telling stories. Uh, you know, your posts are... You know, your posts are quite detailed uh, and what the posts do is they, they draw the person in to read more um, and you're taking that person on a journey. But what you're fundamentally trying to do is you're trying to educate them through that piece of content. And that's something that takes time. Is that right? Yeah, it does take time. And the thing is, as well, the algorithm is particularly the algorithm loves kind of when you produce a bit of content, you put it out there. It loves that human side to it, although, I mean, it's ironic given the fact that it's an algorithm making that decision. But what I think LinkedIn's trying to encourage is the realism of your content. And what I mean by that is when you post something on LinkedIn and you suddenly read through it, you notice one or two grammar, grammar errors or mistakes. If you edit that and fix those grammar errors, your engagement on the content collapses more or less the algorithm um, downgrades it significantly 
because you've taken the you've made us change to it that kind of thing and for all they know you've added a link that kind of thing so that's a no-no even though you kind of part of you thinks oh no i've got a very obvious spelling mistake in there people are going to judge me and that i'm supposed to be in marketing or i'm supposed to be in digital here people are going to think well i'm not going to hire you you can't spell and but i think it is the kind of that i've said this many times that when you're putting out content the more real it is the more relative the more people can relate to it more than anything to see that you are a human being at the end of the day and you aren't in fact a robot that's actually that's that's producing this sort of content and you're right in what you say that we've all spent a lot of time and putting out quality content putting a lot of time and effort into it and for some reason it just doesn't get the engagement and i know myself when i've used certain software to produce videos and that the likes of iMovie and played around with some of that software and that they really put out a polished video and I used to do more of it and I was very disappointed for some reason when I uploaded it I'm not sure where whether LinkedIn it was uploaded natively was whether it was the format of it whether it was the timing of it and it just didn't get the engagement that I that I was really kind of satisfied satisfied by that kind of thing and it wasn't very, and I thought to myself, oh no, that took me half a day to put that together and nobody's engaging with it, nobody's interacting with it. And it's unfortunate, but the algorithm will judge it uh, not necessarily on kind of the, the, the quality of the content, but it all depends sometimes on the time of day. It depends on the kind of the, the kind of the day of the week, the who is normally likely to engage in your content. How, and also, how likely are you to engage people back who engage in your content? That's very important. Don't just post something and just leave it there. If somebody likes it, don't be afraid, don't be afraid to mention them in the comments and go, hey, Wayne, thanks, for, thanks very much for liking the video. I hope it resonated with you. Is there anything in particular that stood out for you? Question mark. And then you're likely to come back and somebody else might like it and you can thank them as well. And you can create that conversation in the comment stuff. That's what it's really designed for. The more people, they call this dwell time, but the more people that are dwelling on your content, the more likely the algorithm, the algorithm will show it to more people. And I think that's key. They, what a lot of people forget, that's why long-form posts on LinkedIn do very well because it takes time for people to read that kind of content. And the longer it takes for people to read it, LinkedIn thinks, ah, people are interested in this and it'll be shown to more people, if that makes sense. Whereas in Facebook, it tends to be the, it tends to be the opposite. It tends to be short-form content, whereas long-form content doesn't do as well. But it's interesting nonetheless, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing about content is that it takes a lot of time. You know that it takes a lot of time to produce uh, a good, consistent, thought out, researched piece of content. And it's important for people to remember who are listening into this podcast is that a lot of your content that you're producing does have that evergreen approach to it, which is really important. So you don't need to be always producing new content all the time because that is time consuming. It takes a lot of effort and energy and investment. Um, and these are things that many people, when they start off on their business journey, they really don't realize that 
this all has to be done and this is very time consuming and this is very labor intensive. And in order to do this right, you really have to set some time aside to focus on your content. And I, I get that it's difficult and it's challenging in the early days. Whenever you start any business, you know, you're producing this content for the first time. But over time, you will build up what I call a content library and you will have some really good content that you've produced over, you know, the past six months, the past 12 months. Uh, and you'll be able to repurpose that content, which is a good thing to do because there will be people following your social media feed. There will be people joining your accounts and following you for the first time. And they may not have seen that blog post or that video or that audio content that you posted six months ago. So it's a good idea to refresh it if you can and, and fire it right back up the news feed again. So it's right up at the top and there's a greater chance of people seeing that maybe the second or the third or the fourth time around. And that's why I always sit down whenever I'm thinking about content, particularly to try and create it in such a way that the content is going to last me a period of time. And there's you know, there's, there's sometimes you can't do that, you know, particularly if you're doing what I do, where you're you're reacting to something that's happened in the marketplace. Typically, you know, a social media platform is at a problem or this has happened or that's happened. And particularly from an online safety case, you're very reactive. So you're reacting to that news story. And the reality of it is that news story has an expiry date and it, it, it goes out of date then after a period of time. And it's really not relevant anymore. So whenever I sit down to to write content in particular, I really try to think, you know, how useful is this piece of content going to be in six months time or eight months time? Or will it still have a little bit of longevity in it? And I think that's important to sit down and think about that. Not all content will have it, of course. But this episode of this podcast that we're doing right now, you know, is not time sensitive. So this will be relevant, you know, six months, 12 months down the line. Uh, you know, certainly some things will have changed, but the fundamental principles of what we're talking about today will not really have changed. And this, this is a good example of, of, of those types of content. So it's important to produce your content in a variety of different formats because not everybody wants to read that long blog post. Some people want to listen and some people want to watch. And that's why I love what we're doing today in this podcast. It's it's audio and it's so powerful because people can sit in their car, they can be out for a walk, you know, they can be on their bike and they can be tuned in, listening in to what we're talking about here today. So give that a little bit of thought when you're producing content. Yeah, it's so interesting as well. And I think this is something that people don't realize is that it's important to use hashtags in your content, but use a hashtag for your own brand. For instance, if you're putting really good content together and you know the longevity of that content and it's something that you can repurpose, but also as a way to kind of keeping all that content together is use the hashtag for the likes of use Wayne Denner as your hashtag. It means then that people who click on that hashtag will see all your previous content. So if they've enjoyed your post that you've posted that day, hmm, I wonder what Wayne has posted about it before. They just simply click your hashtag on LinkedIn and all your previous posts will come up. And I love how that, and that's real good for brand reinforcement. It's real good for to reinforce your thought leadership, to show people that you've got a whole catalog of real quality content that people don't need to go searching for. They just simply 
hit that hashtag and it all is there for them. And that's something that's really very, very underutilized, but it's really, really important. And you can also do that on our channels as well, but we're talking about on LinkedIn. And the thing is, I heard a great quote this morning, particularly on LinkedIn, nothing is 100% original. Get over yourself. And I love that as well, because a lot of people are worried about being so original. There, there's nothing wrong with looking at all of people's content. If you go on, like sometimes in the morning, if I'm putting out stuff on LinkedIn and I've had like a brain drain or kind of like a writer's block, what I'll tend to do is I'll hop on Twitter. I'll see what's trending. I look at the kind of stuff that people are interested in, the conversations that people are having, and then seeing if that can inspire me in some way to put out something around my own challenges. And the other thing as well is not being afraid to show your vulnerability, not being afraid to show people your human side when you're putting out content. Don't be afraid. It doesn't need to be ultra-polished. And this is what I love about this, this social audio. All sorts of people can come on here, interact. It's participative, can get in touch with it. They can get their voice heard and they can get their name and their brand out there. And that's the thing. People almost, it's the more, I'm not saying that you should make mistakes, but don't be afraid to make mistakes, particularly when you're putting out stuff online. Because I have seen stuff and I've looked at it initially and I thought that is very amateurish. And, bef amateurish and before, I can't even say that word, but before I know it, they've got ultra engagement. And I think it's because of going back to the, the relationship. Most people can get their head around it. They can get in touch with it. It's relative in some sort of way, whereas something that's ultra polished just goes way over people's heads. It's unfamiliar to them. It's almost too clean. And I think that, and that, that's what I love about the kind of people that have been, like you see people that are uh, doing selfie videos. They're maybe on a beach. They're in the mountains. They're in the forest. I've done them myself and I've put them out and I've thought nothing of it. I saw they come home and I've seen like a couple hours later, it's like reached three, 4,000 people. And it's amazing, you know, the kind of the way that that relates to people and that connects to people. But you said something earlier that I think is very, very relevant is that you may get very, very little engagement, but all it takes is one person to see it and say, ah, Wayne's the sort of person that we need to talk to. Yes, that video that you've done around sort of like um, online safety with children that resonated with people and they're thinking, do you know what? Wayne Denner's the person we need to speak to. Yes, I watched that video. And you yourself, maybe you will think, well, that video only reached 50 people. Well, you don't need, all you need is one person, as you say. People say to me all the time, like, Marty, that post last week reached 10,000 people, 15,000 people. I've had posts that have reached 40, 50,000 people and it didn't get one lead out of it. And if it posts that reached 30 people and I got about six, seven emails or LinkedIn messages off the back of it. So it's the whole kind of people get caught up in the whole vanity. They get caught up in the whole, oh yeah, the more people it'll reach, the more business I'll generate. Well, I know from experience that just isn't true. Focus on quality, not quantity. 
So true. Amen to that. And you said something really interesting there a couple of moments ago, Marty, about the whole idea of, you know, um, you just need that one person to connect. You just need that one person to reach out. And way too many people are caught up in having loads and loads of engagement. They're really focusing on those vanity metrics that you mentioned a couple of moments ago. And they're really meaningless, I have found. There's way, way too many digital marketing people, marketing people in general out there peddling, you know, how easy all of this is, you know, just stick some videos up on social media and watch it all happen. And the bottom line is that ain't true. It doesn't happen that way. You got to be pushing out content. You got to be showing up. You got to be consistent. Some stuff's going to work. Some stuff's not going to work. Some things are going to crash and burn, but it's constant all the time. You're testing, you're trying out new things. And That point is really important. You know, you just need one or two people to reach out and get in touch uh, and you need that to convert into business and then you're off. You know, I don't know about you, but I couldn't cope with 10,000 people hitting me up right now looking me to do stuff with them. I, I, I wouldn't be able to cope, right? I'm just happy with, you know, four or five people coming right in there and getting in touch and it allows me to, to grow my business a little bit more. Yeah, sure, as I scale up, it'd be nice to have more people helping and supporting. But right now, you know what? I just need a couple of people interacting with my content and engaging for me to be a success. Yeah, that's the key. And Wayne, can I ask you a question? Why do so many, why do so many of the digital marketing experts have got zero social presence? If you're telling me you're head of digital or you're some sort of marketing guru that could give all these people all this sort of like advice, then where, where is your social presence to back it up? And we're not just talking about one platform. It's a consistency across multiple platforms. And I and I meet so many people every day of the week. They tell me that they're head of social media, they're head of social engagement, they're head of interaction. And I know that if I do my due diligence and I go onto their Twitter and I see they've got less than 100 followers, I know I'm going to get myself into trouble if I ask them that question. <laughs> That is the $64 million question right there, Marty. And, you know, the thing about this is when I see, you know, I've been in the digital space now long enough, um, you know, to, to, to see what goes on out there. And there's a lot of people who I've seen who've worked for agencies and then maybe who've left agencies and then they've set up on their own. Uh, I've seen some people who've went and done a course and one of the local colleges went to one of the universities, went to, you know, and got gained some marketing qualification and now has set themselves up as, you know, a digital marketing expert and a digital marketing professional. And that's fine, you know, no problem with that. But the point that you made a couple of moments ago is so important. And it's really important, in fact, that if you are engaging with the services of said digital marketing professional, you have to be able to back that up. And I have came across people on social media who are self-proclaimed experts. Um, They're pitching these services out to businesses and organizations. And then when you go and you have a look at their own platforms that they're on, there's very little happening, you know, so it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's do as I say and not as I do is normally the approach I find with a lot of um, people in this space. And the problem with that is there's a really low barrier to entry. Uh, and then what happens then from a business perspective is a business spends money uh, and doesn't get the results that they thought they were going to get because either it's been overpromised and underdelivered, which is often the case. Um, and that business is then, that business in particular says digital marketing 
marketing doesn't work. When you know it works, I know it works, but the thing about it is it's about managing expectations. You're not going to have overnight success and businesses need to understand that first and foremost. You know, you're going to need to have a runway of X amount of months at least to create content, to put your plan in place. Um, many people start off with, you know, the, the, get, dipping into the platforms and pushing out some content with very little research done around who is the target audience, really looking at things like customer personas, which are really important. Um, going back to what we were talking about at the start of this conversation today around the importance of understanding who your target audience is. And for me, that's critical. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter who you bring in. Uh, it doesn't matter what they try to tell you. If they don't understand the target audience that you are trying to reach, then everything else fails, period. But I think from a business perspective, if you're trying to hire somebody, if you're trying to find somebody to help you with this, it's really important that you do your due diligence. As you rightly said, that's really important. And I wrote a LinkedIn post on this not that long ago. Um, if you're outsourcing your digital marketing or social media, how not to get stung, how not to lose money, because there are a lot of businesses out there who sadly have experienced that and have been put off by engaging with true professionals, have been put off by engaging with people who have experience of running campaigns and building audiences and building communities and have been consistent at what they are doing time and time again. So this is, is, is a major problem. Um, and one that we're probably not going to be able to solve in this episode of the podcast. But I think it's something that more of us need to be talking about. Um, and really, if you are a person who's, you know, delivering these types of services, you know, make sure that you're practicing what you preach. And I think that's really important. Here we are today showing up for another On The Biz social audio event, practicing what we preach, producing content. This is going to be available in a podcast so, so, you know, nobody can doubt that, that we don't do this, that we can't deliver on this. I mean, this is what we do. We're producing content consistently week in, week out. Uh, and that's what's really important if you are a digital marketing professional. What would be your thoughts on it, Martin? I think also, I mean, the other thing that's sort of, and you're 100% right there on what you said, that you kind of goes back to what we've talked about many times, that there are going to be those who talk the talk, and then there'll be others who walk the walk and get on with actually delivering the work, but also can back it up and can show the results for that work as well. And the thing is as well that what I've noticed of late is that I've been going along to these digital marketing conferences and you have somebody up speaking about entrepreneurship and the value of entrepreneurship and what it, what it brings to a business. And the first thing that you notice is that they're not an entrepreneur at all. They've been working in a fintech. They've been working in a large multinational for 20 odd years. And they have the audacity to stand up and say, oh yes, we, we, will, we welcome an entrepreneurial attitude. If you're that much of an entrepreneur, you wouldn't be working for a big company. You'd be on the ground, you'd be doing it yourself. But I don't think those people have realized they've never went a month where they've realized I don't have $5 or five pounds to my name. There's the, it's that comfort zone. It goes back to that safety net of having that salary and having that kind of, that kind of, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. But if you're going to call yourself an entrepreneur, at least own it, at least, at least wear the badge and, and actually put yourself out there. Would that be fair to say, Wayne? Yeah. I mean, you, you, 
when it comes to entrepreneurship in particular, you know, it's 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 a series of, you know, challenges along the way. It's ongoing challenges all the time. And, you know, you can go and you can read books and you can soak up information. You can learn a little bit about it. But if you're within a company and an organization, you're really not going to fully understand the 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 importance of sales. Um, you know, because your salary is going to be paid at the end of the month regardless. Yes, if you don't make the quota and you don't make the numbers, somebody's going to get bollocked. Um, you know, you're going to you know be pulled in and you're going to have to explain yourself and you're going to get another chance. You're going to get another chance. But as you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're running your own business, well, you can't have too many months like that where you're not bringing in any sales uh, or you're going to be out of business pretty quickly. And running a business requires you wearing many different hats. And, you know, that that's something that you may not have. Well, for the most part, you're probably not going to have to do if you're within a company. You know, it might depend if you're in a small company. You know, you may have to wear a couple of different hats. But for the most part, you're going to be really focusing on the area that you're responsible for within that company or that organization. The, the same can't be said if you're running your own business. You're wearing multiple hats from finance to sales to marketing uh, to HR um, to leadership and to absolutely everything in between. So that makes it much, much, much more challenging. Then you have thrown on top of that, you have all the uncertainty in relation to running a business, you know, where the, the, the money's coming from. Um, we live in a very uncertain world right now. So, you know, typically I, you know, you have to make sure that you are all things to all men a lot of the times whenever you are an entrepreneur. Um, and it takes a while to build things and to get systems and procedures in place, which are really important. Uh, and you know this yourself from your early days of an entrepreneur. You had much more energy. You were probably much younger. Well, at least I was. Now when I've got a little bit older, I don't have the energy and you know, those things, you know, are a little bit more challenging from time to time. Um, and you have to have the right people around you and you have to be networking and you have to be collaborating and you have to be going along to events where other like-minded people are there. And I think that's one of the most important things about networking in particular, because you can get into a room with people, you can have a conversation, you can chat. Uh, and similarly, most of those people who are in that room will be in a similar boat um, to you. Um, the flip side of that is when you go along to some of these conferences that you were mentioning, where they wheel out these experts who are working for companies and have worked for companies for 20 plus years. Now, I'm not saying that those people don't have anything to add. They don't have value to add. But the thing that the, 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 the massive difference for me is, particularly those people who go out and still work for companies and organizations, and I can think one or two people off the top of my head now that, let's use the term consult, but they're working for a company two to three days a week and they're bagging a little bit of a salary out of that. But then they're being wheeled out at these council events for the most part and other government events as the expert when it comes to entrepreneurship, as the expert when it comes to running your business and why you must take risks and why you must do all this. Well, if that's the case, why not do it full time? Why not do it Monday to Friday, every day of the week, instead of working for a company for three days a week and getting a little bit of a salary to give you a little bit of a comfort? Now, some people might say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's maybe smart. Um, you're either all in or you're not. And that's the bottom line for me when it comes to entrepreneurship. Yeah, I think we're totally aligned there. I mean, at the end of the day, we've all kind of like 
had opportunities where kind of that. And this is the thing that we've all had opportunities where you and I would probably be head of digital now. Who knows? Head of social engagement at one of these big sort of companies. And no, I know no, Marty. Marty, here's the thing. No, we would be. That's the thing. We would be. We could get these jobs in a heartbeat because the experience that we've garnered and gathered over the past X amount of years is highly valuable and highly sought after. So I have no doubt in my mind that we would definitely walk into these these roles. Um, but the problem we would have in these roles is some of these roles do not allow you to have that entrepreneurial flair. And there's a lot of companies now that are trying to really address that and say, right, well, hold on a second here. We need to create a space within our culture so that people can be entrepreneurial without the fear of, you know, having to leave and going do their own thing. So a lot of companies are starting to do that, but there's no doubt in my mind, we apply for a job tomorrow morning, we will get it. It's interesting. I mean, I've seen people that have been lifelong marketing managers and they totally struggle with this digital. They've said it to me. They've said, oh, I'm a marketing manager. I've worked in banks. I've worked in in big four insurance outfits, that kind of thing. But you know what, Marty, when it comes to that LinkedIn and that social media and that digital stuff, I haven't a clue. And I said to them, to my amazement, how did you get into the position? And they said, oh, marketing back in the day was a lot different. And I just wonder how these businesses uh, generate income, they generate money, they generate sort of like, and I understand that marketing in those sort of roles might support the sales, might support the business development teams, uh, the kind of, so they can close deals quicker, they can sort of like get, um, they can move the cycle times a lot faster, but at the same time, I just wonder often how they get into that sort of position. I mean, account-based marketing is 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 not, it's not rocket science. I'm not necessarily saying there isn't an art form to it. I still think there is an art form to it. I think the the younger marketers that blend the sort of like the, the knowing the as you say going back knowing the customer personas, knowing your audience, looking at the data, looking at the band behavior, looking at what their interests are. Absolutely, all that stuff's very valuable. There's no doubt about that. Those who can blend that with the creativity, those who can blend that with the sort of and understand the importance of uh, visibility across multiple networks, that whole, what I call it, the marketing 360 approach. And and a lot of them don't understand the whole marketing 360 approach. And it's something that baffles me, to tell you the truth, how they get from, they go from one sort of position to leave it and they suddenly walk into another position. It's almost like, I often wonder if they're not, if they don't know how everything is connected or how everything's supposed to join up how do they how do they surely they're accountable to somebody what's your thoughts on that Wayne? yeah it's a it's a good it's a good question um part of me wants to say that the the recruitment process is wrong um for the most part i think um that very little is done around what you've just mentioned um, a lot of focus. It's is, flawed. Yeah. Would you say it's flawed? Yeah, it's flawed, I, I, it? I think it is. I've seen a couple of companies. Yeah, you know, I, I know one or two companies who've reached out to me over the past twelve to eighteen months, and they they had pretty poor experiences um, in, in 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 attracting talent, and they they you know they went through that process, and then they offered someone a role, 
and then it just didn't work out. Now, I know that can happen in a lot of different industries and a lot of different sectors. People go through the process, they get the job, um, they get into the role and they realize it's not really for me or it's not what I expected and, and that type of stuff. So, But I think marketing in general is is quite different in the sense that you you really need to have a full understanding of you know what it is you're looking for from a professional from a from a point of view from a candidate uh, and what the candidate's looking from you i think that's really important i also think that you need to layer that on top in particularly in the world that we're going to live in and we are living in um, as things evolve with technology in particular in and around ai um, and VR and, and these types of new technologies that are coming down the line, you're going to need to allow space and room for people to be entrepreneurial because the business model is changing all the time. Um, you need to be looking for new revenue streams. So you do need to have people, I'm going to use the term hybrid because I think that's important. And I see what you are and what I am as hybrid in the sense. We can adapt to almost both sides of the coin um, we could go into an organization and we could add a lot of value, but we would also need our own space. We don't like to be micromanaged, typically. Um, we, we, we want our, 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 our thoughts, we want our opinions to be considered within the company and the organization. Uh, and we want to have that freedom to, to, to explore, uh, particularly in and around the entrepreneurial side. I think that's going to be something in terms of the future of work that's going to really need to be looked at across the spectrum. And it's interesting that we're talking about this tonight because I did notice that the NHS in particular uh, here in the UK is now calling for um, people who work in the NHS. I don't think it matters really where you work in the NHS. You could be a doctor, you could be a nurse, you could be, I'm sure you could even be a porter. Um, you could be a security officer, you could be a, a chef, you could be a cleaner. But really what they're trying to encourage with the NHS in particular is they're going on this digital transformation and they need digital entrepreneurs. And they've they've got this memo, but they understand that there are employees within the company and the organization that have great ideas. We don't necessarily need to be buying in new ideas all the time. We've got really smart and talented people within our organization. And if we give them just a little bit of space, if we give them a little bit of um, time, then they can actually start to create new digital transformation opportunities and new technology that's going to revolutionize where the NHS is going. And I think there's probably going to be more of that happening, but that's a culture shift within organizations. And I think whether you call it digital marketing, whether you call it marketing, personally, I think it probably should be called marketing now. In 2023, that we're moving into very soon, we should just call it marketing. I think we can probably drop the digital label. I don't think we need it anymore because you made a very good point earlier on about people maybe who were, let's say, quote unquote, traditional marketers and now have suddenly had this digital aspect bolted on top of that. And they're maybe finding it really challenging or they're struggling a little bit because they weren't really sort of, they didn't really sort of evolve in, 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 in that marketing time. I think marketing is just going to, digital marketing should just become marketing. And you sh we should assume that there are going to be aspects of digital or aspects of marketing that are, are, are electronic. Um, I think that's where we're probably going to see ourselves moving. Yeah, it's so interesting, Wayne, what you say. And I think that you're, I've said it 
I'm almost uncomfortable calling myself a digital marketer for the very reasons that you've said. It is just marketing at the end of the day. We are marketers, and that's how we're there to support all people and help all the people through that transition. I think that it's nice that organizations like the NHS are encouraging that sort of like entrepreneurism within the organization, that there are people that can that can move that sort of organization digitally and innovate, and I think that's a wonderful thing. I think that the more that that we see right across a number of organizations like government organizations, public sector, private sector, and even into even into the voluntary sector as well, I think it's a it's a joined up sort of thinking, isn't it? It is, and that and that's where the um, collaboration is really important, and that's the other side of this that I think we're really struggling with as a whole. I think most people are really struggling with collaboration um in general and, and I, i'm a big collaborator i'm happy to collaborate with anybody at any time as long as the agendas are aligned and there's something in it for me and there's something in it for you where collaboration tends to go wrong a lot of the times i find in my experiences it's been one-sided where one person has done better out of the opportunity than than another person and there's a couple of reasons why that happens, in, in my opinion. And I've really been looking at this over the, the past couple of months in particular. Um, and the reason for that is that at the start of the conversation, you need to be nearly open and honest and have full transparency about what your expectation is about getting into this collaboration. Like, what do you want to get out of it? Do you just want to get experience? Do you want to generate new revenue? You know, do you want it as a PR opportunity for your business? What What is your What is your thing that you want from this? And I think both people or both parties within that need to have that conversation. And I think the earlier you have that conversation, the better. And sometimes that conversation can be uncomfortable. In fact, a lot of the times it's uncomfortable because it involves things like money and, you know, you have to have those difficult questions because, look, at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or, or what your background is, you know, everyone has an agenda. There's something that they want to get uh, from uh, the experience. And when it comes to collaboration, if you're not clear about that, particularly from the outset, um, then that can leave for problems further down the line. So it's a good idea to sit down and have that conversation really early. But collaboration typically in business, although it happens, it's something that a lot of people really, really struggle with. No, the interesting thing is then, I mean, it's something that I've been thinking about for a while, really, when it, when it, when it comes to that whole partnership, collaborative sort of stuff. And we're doing this with a number of people at the minute, but I had a coffee with somebody recently and he had asked me about making introductions and I and he, he said something to me at, really sort of stood out and he says look here's the thing marty a half a loaf is better than no loaf at all and i thought Isn't, that's amazing because there's so many people out there that are that are content on on starvation because they don't want to collaborate and i thought that's amazing so the fact is that myself and this chap are making introductions for one another and we know that we're not going to get the whole loaf but we're going to get half a loaf and i and i and it's it's great when there when there is that sort of collaborative sort of thing and think well okay we're going to help one another we're not going to do amazing we're not going to do we're not going to be uh, you know we're not going to be living in Monaco uh, uh, getting a chauffeur around at a rolls <laughs> anytime soon but at the same time we'll be able to live you know what I mean and I think that's the that's the key as well and I think that's the 
that's um, what's really important. And I think there's a real, real good community spirit, collaborative spirit, uh, particularly in the any any of the people that are in our growth network. Wayne, you'll find that they're very they're very interested in working together and making those introductions and that. And that's something that I'm really kind of encouraging tonight before I came on the call. I've been emailing people that I think that are a good fit for what we're doing, particularly on the growth network, that 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 get it. We're not interested in any takers. We're not interested in anyone that is out for themselves. We're interested more than people that are interested, that want to actually collaborate, that want to work together, build a partnership. And as you say, a half loaf is better than no loaf. Absolutely. And, and let's touch on the Growth Network for a couple of moments as we start to you know, bring this conversation to a close. And it's been a fantastic conversation, Marty. We've covered a lot of different ground today. And, and the collaboration thing is something that I think is essential in all business. I think if you avoid it, then you're going to struggle. And I think you need to find common ground with people. You need to look for ways to collaborate as much as possible. Um, and you need to find ways that it's going to be mutually beneficial for everyone involved. And I think that's where true collaboration is really successful. And in the projects that I've been involved in, you know, when it's went that way, everybody has come out and felt like they've, they've, they've got something from it. They've, they've, they've taken something away from it. Now, as I said, it doesn't always need to be money. Um, a lot of people think, well, you know, I'm not going to do anything unless I'm getting paid for it. And yeah, fine, I understand that. But there's, there's more that you can take away from a particular uh, collaboration than just money. Experience, uh, you can grow your network. Um, in some cases, it can be a great PR opportunity. So you do have to think about that when you're going into it. And there are certain times when I get opportunities, um, you know, from people. And I think, to, and, and they may say straight up, well, look, I don't have a budget. There's no money here. But this, you know, might be good for X, Y, and Z. And I'll weigh it up. And then sometimes I do say no. I just say, look, this isn't a good fit right now. Um, sometimes I have to think about the amount of time that's going to be involved in it because time is money, as we all know. But I just think in order to be successful moving forward, particularly if you're looking to get into business, start a business, you're in a business, look for ways to collaborate with people. I think that's important. Yeah, I think so as well. And I think networking and collaboration, it should be unconditional. I mean, we, I make hundreds of introductions for people a day. And I think that I used to think, oh, what did I get out of that? What did I, uh, I'm not really getting much business in return, that kind of thing. But I'm a great believer in giver's gain. And I, and I always have been that if you make the introductions to the right people, it is remembered. And the right people know that you're a good person to make that introduction. They will interact with you. And I know myself, when I reach out to people, even through LinkedIn, people that I'm potentially interested in, in in getting in front of our own clients, they're more receptive to me because they know the fact that I'm a giver and they know the fact that I would do the same for them as much as, a, as I would do for the business that I'm advocating for. And like we're making serious introductions for, for construction companies at the minute. Uh, Wayne, you've seen that with yourselves with CoBabble and that, but we're making serious introductions for construction companies in the London and that. And people have come back and said to me, Marty, listen, there's serious contracts been been done off the back of your introductions. There is a, are you interested in maybe um, would you like a, an introducer percentage, that type of thing? And yeah, we would, you know, who wouldn't want that? You know, right? Let's be honest. But it's not the it wasn't the intention initially starting out. 
it's only now people are coming back and say, you know, we want to reward you. And initially I was going, no, 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 don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But when people are offering you 15% off contract, that's worth seven, eight figures. It doesn't be long getting exciting. And I then part of me, but then I think when you can fall into the trap of thinking, oh, no, this is uh, this is too good to be true. And then then part of me thinks, well, if I can get that kind of dough for one or two introductions, I could do a hundred of these a month, but but it just doesn't work like that in reality. That's the thing as well. I think if you get, I said to one client, if we can get four or five of these introductions over the course of the year, I think that that's a good thing. That's a, that's a beneficial thing uh, for them, but it's also a beneficial thing for me. When I initially started, I thought, oh, I'm going to do hundreds of these. I was thinking of the millions. So I was thinking of the kind of, the, the kind of what it would generate from myself and the company. But as you know, the cycle time, you know, when you're negotiating with businesses, it's just not that straightforward. You know, you could, I could introduce a business and they could be talking for the next year and a half, you know, that kind of way, you know. Yeah, and that's the thing. It depends on the sector. You know, you mentioned construction. You know, the lead up time for any of this sort of stuff is, you know, is is, is a good couple of months. By the time you go through the complete sales cycle and you do your demonstrations and you do all of those things and you're backwards and forwards and, you know, it, it does take time. It's not just, a, you know, you're not just selling a commodity that's quickly sold and the transaction is quickly completed. Um, it does take a little bit of time. But I think the key thing in all of that, Martin, is the is the relationship. Um, while that whole process is going along uh, and running in parallel with that is the relationship. So you're building trust with that person all the time. And that's what you want because if you build that trust and that person buys that product or buys that service from you, and you deliver on that, then there's going to be further opportunity and, and they're going to be able to introduce you to other people as well. And I think that part of it's really important. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's today, like I, I did a bit of work for Pocketbox, whom they're a client we have a relationship with, making introductions for them, much like we're doing introductions for yourself, Wayne. And we're doing a little bit of like, kind of like getting, like my initial thought was we had phone around local civils, construction companies, that I had a prior relationship, an existing relationship. And we got one one call set up for tomorrow. And I thought to myself, you know what? One call, because you initially you go you go into the day thinking, I'm gonna get a hundred calls for these people, but it's just the way it is. People are busy, people have all things going on. People, it's not that people aren't receptive, it's not that people aren't interested. People often come back and say, Look, Marty, I'm very interested in speaking to those guys, but it's uh this month, this side of Christmas is out for us. It'll be in the new year. And in my head, I was just thinking when I was going into it initially, uh, because we we have made, I think we have made about 40 solid introductions for them alone, particularly in the construction and civils companies. And some of them are quite significant companies as well. But it wasn't something that happened overnight. It was something that happened over a period of time. And I think we can fall into this sort of trap. And I, I'm thinking that, Every time you introduce somebody that's going to turn into business, it's going to, there's going to be something in it. And that's why I set up the growth network that runs on a Wednesday. Like, you know yourself, when you're a member yourself, we've got some solid businesses in that group already. We've got Digny Grant Insurance. We've got Nile Smith Accountancy. We've got yourself. We've got Manus at GoClick Media. There's some serious, serious people that are, that are really doing really well for themselves, but they struggle to get that consistent sort of leads. And that's why I think being part of a weekly network 
that's why I think it is the differentiator. It, it, it's all the people. There's no better form of marketing. In my experience, now I might be biased here because I am in this relationship marketing business, but I think there's no better form of marketing than someone else referring your business. It's, every, it's as close to a sale as you can possibly get when somebody says you need to speak to Wayne Denner. Wayne Denner is the guy that you need to speak to. We have a listener here. You need to speak to Nell Finnegan. and Nell is the guy that you need to speak to. That that there don't don't just meet them. Just sit down, have a coffee with them. You don't even necessarily need to tell the person about your business. You can just say to them, "No, listen. Just sit down, have a coffee with them, listen to them for five minutes." I can tell you when somebody hears that, they're very likely to be in the canal court for you tomorrow, listening to over a cup of coffee for you for five minutes. And there's a high likelihood that business will be generated. And I should say, even with what we were talking about earlier, there with the collaborative stuff, what we do at the Grove Company, Wayne, I only partner with companies when I know that their sales teams and their business development teams have closure rates of about 90%. If I know their sales teams have got a good high closure rate, well, I have confidence in partnering with them because I carry the risk. When you're making introductions and if you're doing it for, in terms, if your revenue, the likes of our revenue model is based around those introductions, well, I'm carrying the risk that they're going to close. And if they don't have a high closure rate, if they come back to me and say to me after I made an introduction, because, I mean, you can be judged on your introductions as well. If you introduce somebody to say a director at a company and it doesn't go well, well, the director's going to come back and say to you, say to you yourself, how do you know these clowns? What are you doing? How do you think my time is not precious? That kind of thing. So we don't just put anybody in front of these people. Um, and I think that's really important. What do you think? That is important. No doubt. No doubt. That's one of the key things that you need to keep in mind in relation to whatever connections, referrals you're making to people. And, you know, that's one of the key things that w you do in the Growth Company Network, Martin. And I think that's a good place to, to introduce that to people to, you know, in this episode who are listening into this podcast, not necessarily live today, but are picking it up on the replay where it's going to be available tomorrow on Spotify and iTunes, where a lot of people will, will, will click in. And the big thing that you've just said a couple of moments ago is many of these are small businesses. They don't have dedicated sales teams. They don't have people knocking doors, out knocking doors, you know, every day, making connections, chatting to people. And this is where what you do in the service of the growth company offer is so beneficial. And that's where you're taking this with the, the growth network on a Wednesday morning. So before we finish up, Martin, give people a little bit of an overview, a flavor. If anybody's tuning into the replay and does want to join the growth company network on a Wednesday morning, what's the process? What's it all about? Uh, and what can people expect to get from it? Great question. The growth company runs every Wednesday. The growth company network is Wednesdays from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. We've moved it because a lot of people are maybe working from home. The kind of the the kind of they're self-employed. The kind of they're entrepreneurial. Not necessarily. As I say, we have Sean Grant in the group, but we've got a few other people. But they're doing the school runs from eight to nine. We thought we would move from ten to eleven. And the whole idea is that we can bring people together. They can collaborate. They can connect. 
We've a lot of people that are doing cross-border trade as well. And that's the thing. It, the, we're not, there's a lot of stuff. There is these existing networks in Belfast and further afield, but there's none in this newly morning down area that's really business focused. A lot of them are sitting around. I'm not taking anything away from some of the existing groups in the area, all sitting around drinking coffee. That's all well and good and all are, are listening to civil servants delivering presentations, whatever. But that's not what's generating the business. That's not what's putting the business uh, across the, you know, and I think there's a real need for the, that kind of referral network and that introductory network. And, and that's the whole key. We're not, we're all grown ups. So you get grown ups around the table and you can give them the opportunity to, to introduce their business, but also to really network. We put focus on those breakout rooms. All the meetings are online, but we give each person in that room the opportunity. They just drop me a message and say, Marty, I want to speak to Kevin McDonald, HR. I want to speak to Wayne Denner. I want to speak to Roshi O'Hara, Brand Elevation. Well, I bring them two together. And that's the difference, Wayne. Each person that joins our growth network, I'm personally invested in to make sure that they get the business and the leads out of it. And I'm not taking anything away from B&I or B2B or any of these because I'm in some of these groups myself. But a lot of the time, there's some people in the room that do exceptionally well while everybody else leaves it disgruntled because they didn't get the introductions. And that's the difference. Each person that goes to our growth network, I can guarantee you, they'll get in front of the people that they're trying to get in front of. And you're not selling to the people on the call. You're selling to their network. And I think that's what's, or you're selling to, you're not selling to the people in the other room all the time. You're selling to the people that they know. Who is it they know that you would like to get in front of? Like I've attended some of the venture network stuff in Dublin. We're setting up an office in Dublin. The growth company is like, because we're working with quite a few construction and sales companies in Dublin and London. And we're, we're finding more than anything that <clears throat> we're finding more than anything that there's a real appetite at the minute for that sort of like cross border, that cross border collaboration. There's a real appetite for that uh, between business being done, particularly between companies in Dublin and companies in London. And I think that's where the growth network can be that bridge. And that's what I'm trying to build. And what I've been trying to build for the last year and a half is build that sort of bridge. And we are obviously members of other organizations like Beta and Causeway. Causeway, the, the Causeway meetup is actually on Thursday in Dublin. We're heading down to that. We're a member of the Causeway Exchange Network between, between Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland and Scotland. That's another good network to be in. But it's also an affiliate of Beta, and we get serious business through Beta. Like in the last last year, we 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 have generated silly business through that network. But but at the same time, we still think there's a need for that bridge and that sort of collaborative network, and that's what we hope the growth network will become. It is early days, but there's a lot of good things happening in this area, Wayne, as you know. Yeah, and if anybody's listening into the podcast and you do want to get involved, you do want to reach out, I'm a member of the the Growth Company Network and it's fantastic each and every Wednesday. And everything that Martin has said just in the past couple of moments is 100% on the money. It's about bringing people together. It's about giving people the opportunity to 
talk to other members in the room about what their business is all about. And then it's fundamentally about those members then going out into their network to try and make connections. And there has been business done already. There has been people making uh, connections with other people outside of the network. So if you're listening in to the podcast, you're catching this up on the replay please do reach out. Martin, you forgot one key piece of information. How can people get in touch with you about joining? Great question, Wayne. No, if you if you email me at martin at the growth company, martin at the growth company.ie, reach out to myself. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter here. Follow me on Twitter. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Say that you listen to the podcast. You really kind of like would be interested in coming along to the growth network. And as I say, you're under no obligation to whether you decide to become a member or not. I like to think of the value that's returned more than anything. You could come along to the first meeting, you could generate quite a bit of business and then you could bounce. That's fine. But I think that networking is a long-term play. Networking is a is a long-term game. You kind of, those that are effective networkers go along, but they put in the work. They put in, they show up more than once. They show up more than once. And I think if you show up more than once, like there's a chap, as you know, in, in the growth network, he's from, he's based down there in the south of Spain and he's an international construction consultant. You know, I'm not saying his name. I'm not going to give him any free more. I'm not going to give him any more free promo than he's already getting out of the group. But I mean, the guy's got connections all over the world, you know, and the guy's got contacts. You yourself, we and our witness this, he's making introductions to Saudi Arabia uh, Oman, all that sort of stuff. You know, it's it's it just shows you an example of the people, the caliber of people that are in that room or on that call. And I think that's 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 something that if people are listening and would really want to join a higher quality network, a higher quality network, then that's what we're there to hopefully uh, facilitate. And with that said, individual, Martin, no names mentioned, we are on a call tomorrow having a conversation about some of the introductions that he is making with us uh, and some other people in different parts of the world. So that is testament alone to the to the benefits of, of, of joining a group like uh, the Growth Network on a Wednesday morning. But do you know what, Martin? We have overshot the runway again tonight. We came on here for a quick conversation and we covered a whole lot of ground. And, you know, this is the thing about this particular On The Biz podcast that we're doing every Monday night. We're here at 9.30 on Twitter. We're going to record this and we're going to make it available for people on a replay who cannot make it along. It's going to be available over on iTunes, Spotify and all those good places. Um, and if you are somebody who's listening into this podcast and you are you know, considering joining a network, please do reach out and get in touch. Uh, I'd be more delighted to have a conversation with people and I know you would uh, as well, Martin. But we're going to be coming back next week. We're going to have to be kicking off our LinkedIn audio spaces on a Thursday. We're going to have to get the big interview up and running again. What do you think, Marty? Have you gone? No, sorry. I was... I was looking at something there. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's an appetite. I mean, I was coming down. I was at the rugby there on Saturday, or not, not the Fiji game, the South African game, and I met a chap going back on the, coming back from the train, and the guy was a multi-millionaire. I was just having a chat to him, and I thought to myself, you know what, this guy would be a great guy for the big interview. It's a guy that he had owned a plumbing contracting business, and they, they had a, they had a, they had a place there in Caribbean and Yuri there for a while. I mean, he sold it 10 years ago, but I was just chatting to him and I just thought, you know what, this guy is perfect 
for the big interviews. So it's people like that that, you know, we've got a, a number of people that have expressed an interest. And I think that the appetite's there. The only thing is on a Thursday, I've been stretched uh, with my time that just for the way that the days have been panning out, actually, I've been very, very busy during the day. I haven't had a day actually today, for instance, was uh, at a client site from like nine in the morning, didn't leave till six. I just came home and I, I stuck on that um, SAS show on BBC that I've been trying to catch up on, Rogue Heroes or whatever you call it, you know. And I sat down and goes, right, I'm going to enjoy this. I've the whole evening to myself. I'm not joking. I didn't see two minutes of it. I woke up. <laughs> I, woke, I woke up. I woke up about two hours later at eight o'clock, you know what I mean? So I've been totally wrecked. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, definitely, Wayne, tonight's been very beneficial to me. I hope to you as well. And like I say, anyone that's listening, I hope they have seen benefit to it as well. If you are listening to the replay, as I say, reach out to myself, Martin Murda on LinkedIn at the Growth Company. Check out our website. We are LinkedIn training specialists, but we also run the weekly Growth Network. And as always, don't forget, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to hit that share button if you're listening over on iTunes or Spotify or whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Please do share this, hit the subscribe button <laughs> so that so that you get notified whenever we uh, roll out a new podcast. And hopefully we're going to be back here this time at 9.30. Every Monday night we'll be here. Uh, and please do join the conversation. But in the meantime, Marty, have a great week. And I'm looking forward to having another conversation with you and the rest of the guys on Wednesday morning for the Growth Network. You've been listening to On The Biz, Meet The Change Maker with your hosts, Wayne and Martin. This episode is powered by The Growth Company. Tune in next time for one of our live social audio events.